Thank you. Testing, one, two, three. Can y'all hear me good? Awesome. Awesome. Cool. All right. How are you guys doing? Doing well? Ready for Thanksgiving break? Awesome. As a, now I teach physical education in Killeen Elementary School, so teachers, we are ready for the break. We are ready just to be done with this year, have, a, have a, our own little vacation and, and things like that. Um, <clears throat> so we are going to continue in Psalms today. Um, Dave kind of asked me about a month ago which Psalm I wanted to do, and you know, I picked out Psalm 51 um, because Psalm that I know very well is a Psalm that relates to me um, very well, and so I figured why not why not preach over Psalm 51. Um, so again, two weeks ago we talked about um, David describing himself in a pit, being rock bottom in life. I think I believe Dave went over that. So last week um, he was in the wilderness. Um, Dave kind of related that back to um, have, you know, being dry in your relationship with God. And so today I want to talk about um, David confessing unrepentant sin. And he shows us, I believe, in this psalm how to be crushed um, with guilt well. And so um, before we move on in Psalm 51, um, give you guys a little bit more background on that psalm and how David got up to this point. Um, but the Psalms, real quick, were designed by God to awaken and express um, and shape the thoughts and feelings of Jesus' disciples. Um, we learn from the Psalms how to think about discouragement with guilt, and we learn from the Psalms how we feel in times of discouragement and in times of horrible regret. Um, the Psalms show us how to be discouraged well and how to regret well. Um, and so my prayer for you guys as we look through this Psalm, um, that we will form the habit of living in the psalm so much that the word of our thinking and the word of our feelings will be transformed to biblical thinking and biblical feeling. And so, um, but real quick, before, again, before we move on, I want to backtrack a little bit because what is this, what is the sin that David's confessing? And so, um, we go on to the next slide. Um, again, it's, Psalm 51 is one of the few psalms that it's pinpointed to its uh, historical origin. Um, we see at the top of Psalm 51, if you're there right now, to the core master, uh, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone in with Bathsheba. And so we all know the story of David and Bathsheba. It's pretty well known. Um, and so I'm going to give you a brief overview of it. It's in 2 Samuel 11, if you want to turn there. I have, the, I have this, most of the scripture up here on the slide. But let's read 2 Samuel uh, 11, 2 to 5. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. That he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hitty? So David sent messengers. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness, and she returned to her house, and the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. And so we see here, um, this isn't the whole story, by the way, but we see here that David obviously is attracted to this woman. He goes in. He lays with her. They have a baby. Um, and so that's one sin that he sleeps with her. And then he continues later on that, in that uh, passage. Uh, so not only did he lay with Bathsheba, but he also tried to cover his sin up by bringing her husband, Uriah, home from battle. So Uriah could lie with her and think it was his baby. So he tries to cover up the sin with her husband. 
that doesn't necessarily work out too well. Um, again, later on in the passage, for sake of time, we're not going to read it. But David eventually arranged to have him killed so that he could quickly marry Bathsheba and cover his sin that way. And I like how 2 Samuel 11 ends. It ends with these words. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I believe it's one of the most underrated, understated sentences in the Bible. I'll read it again. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. All right? And so in chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, God sends Nathan to rebuke David of his unconfessed sin. All right? Uh, go ahead. All right. Next, next slide. And so we'll read. I'll quickly read um, kind of what just Nathan kind of gives David a parable that kind of entices David to pronounce his own condemnation. So let's read that one real quick together. And then we'll be in Psalm 51. So, and the Lord sent David to Nathan. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little lamb, which he had bought. And he bought it up and it grew up with him and with his children. He used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or her to repair for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and repaired it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing, because he had no pity. So Nathan pretty much gives a story of this guy raising um, lambs, um, you know, he spent on his life, um, you know, raising them. They're like a daughter to him. And then this guy just comes. He takes them. He steals them from him. And David demands justice. David's just like, yo, go give me that guy. Uh, he needs to be killed. Uh, he needs to be slaughtered. He, David demands justice. All right. So what happens next in verse 7? All right. If you're in 2 Samuel, verse 7, Nathan said to David, you are that man. All right. So if I can only imagine how awkward it gets then, all right? So Nathan has this parable for David. David's all screaming for justice, and then Nathan's like, that is you. I'm talking about you, all right? I can only imagine just, again, the awkwardness that just is in between those two. Um, Later in verse 12, David finally confesses. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. He finally confesses his sin. I have sinned against the Lord. The sin that he, that he committed against uh, Bathsheba, Uriah, um, David finally confesses that, that sin. So Psalm 51 is a psalm on repentance about David confessing this sin. That's what Psalm 51 is about. Um, I think it's what happened next after he confesses his sin. Um, it's what makes David a man. It's what makes David a man after God's heart. Um, and so for the rest of the time, we're going to spend um, in Psalm 51 as I lay out the anatomy of biblical repentance and how that should look like. All right. Um, again, Psalm 51, um, bedrock passage in the Bible on repentance. Um, I, I love this passage because, again, it's, it lays out how our repentance should look like. And David just displays it perfectly here in Psalm 51. Um, I'll mention, too, as well, the word repentance is not used in that passage yet, not once. I'll also mention, too, that um, no, not any hint of any sexual sin or anything like that is mentioned in this passage. Because you would think this all started with sexual sin and all that. But none of that is mentioned in this passage. Um, 
what exactly is repentance? Just in case there's, you know, anybody, anybody in there who's not a believer, who's not too familiar with that word. Because um, in general, when I'm usually talking to people who are in the church or who, who are in the church and who aren't in the church, I'm able to explain what repentance is. And so here's some definitions. It's the willingness to feel, go back, the willingness to feel remorse and self-reproach for what one has done to fail in reflecting and living um, out God's standard. Repentance is to feel remorse, this is Old Testament, um, contrition and self-reproach for the fact you have offended a holy God. In the New Testament, repentance means to change your mind and the way you think um, about things should be and embrace God's. And so as we go through Psalm 51, let's keep that in mind as we're going through um, David's, David's repentance um, to God, David's cry out um, to God. And even though it doesn't mention repentance in this psalm, you can clearly see, um, you can clearly see the remorse, the, the hatred David has for his sin, and the awareness that he has for it. All right, so just keep that in mind. Um, so again, next slide. Um, I have four ways. Four of David's responses to his sin. All right, and we're going to try to go through them um, best as I can. I will note, too, that there's also a lot more going on in this psalm that I'm not able to cover. All right, as I'm reading through the psalm, I'm just praying. I'm thinking, man, like, what parts should I cover? And there's some parts that I'm going to have to leave out. I think I, we would be here the whole day if I went through every single verse in, that, in this Psalm 51. And so uh, David's responses to his sin, the first one is that he throws himself on the character of God. Or in other words, he turns to God. Let's look at verse 1. So we're going to, we're going to spend the rest of the time in Psalm 51, guys. So go ahead and, and turn there. Um, so verse 1 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And notice he says, Have mercy on me, O God. He starts with the mercy of God. He is saying, God, don't give me what I deserve. I know what I deserve. Don't give me what I deserve. He starts with the mercy of God. He turns to his only hope, the mercy and love of God. Without understanding the character of God, you will not be able to walk in repentance. Now, why do I say that? Because I think most of the time, um, most of the time when we sin, especially if it's a big sin, um, a lot of times we'll be drowning, we'll let ourselves be drowned in guilt. We won't run to God because we think that God doesn't love us. We think that God wants to take us out. And so it's important that we understand the character of God and who he is, all right? In the Old Testament, continually, it says that um, God is full of love, uh, full, God is full of love, abundance of mercy, slow to anger, and abundant in forgiveness. Just throughout the Old Testament, I, I could name a lot of verses out, but I'm not. And so David understood that, all right? David understood that more than a cliche. He understood that as part of the character of God. Like, he knew that, because remember... He's writing from this, and all he had was the Old Testament, all right? And so David knows something about the living God that is powerful. He knows something about God that is beautiful and that uh, he, could, he could throw himself on the character of God. He could turn to God. Um, so, again, the first thing that he does is he helplessly turns to the mercy and love of God. Today, for us, that means turning helplessly to Christ. That means crying out um, to Jesus. And so this is the first place for repentance. It doesn't start with sin. It starts with God. I think David does, does, does a good, just displays that well in, in crying out um, to the mercy of God. He's saying, but I'm living today 
because of this of the mercy of God. Do not give me what I deserve, oh God. Um, next slide. Next, he prays for um, cleansing. He says, uh, wash me thoroughly through my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Uh, verse 7, I believe, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. And so David is crying out to God as the ultimate priest that he would forgive him and count him clean from his sin. Hyssop was, was, a, was a branch or a herb they used back then to clean people. And so David isn't asking for physical cleanness, but rather, rather spiritual clean, um, cleansing. First um, John 1, 7, 9. I think it's, it's fitting that Christians ask this. This is why David is asking this. First John 1, 7, 9. But if we walk in the light as he is light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, forgive us our sins, and it cleans us from all unrighteousness. And so, yes, um, Jesus Christ purchased our forgiveness. Yes, he paid for full price for it, but that does not replace our asking. And that's what David is doing here. He's praying for uh, cleansing. He's praying for forgiveness. Um, but we, again, it's not replaced our asking. It's the basis for our asking. So it's the reason we're confident that the answer will always be yes. If we, we throw ourselves on the mercy of God, if we ask for cleansing, God's answer will always be yes. And, on, and again, there's not a lot of things that God says yes to. Um, he might be a no, not right now. But I think this is one of the things that, that God's always going to say yes to if we throw ourselves on the character of God and we ask for spiritual cleansing. And so... Um, again, second point, um, David, um, first point, David looks helplessly to the mercy of God. And then second, he prays and his mercy, God will forgive him and, and make him clean. Um, so three, next slide, he confesses the seriousness of his sin. And this is something I want us to really, um, really pay attention on and really um, uh, focus on. Because I think David is aware of how heavy his sin is. Like, Remember in the beginning, we went over just the chains of sins that he had. David is now realizing the seriousness of his sin. Like, it's, it's bad. It's, it's really, really bad. And I also note, too, that this is about a year after all this went on. So after he got rebuked, after he got, after he slept, you know, and killed uh, her husband, within a year, David sits in this unrepentant sin, um, and he does nothing. And actually, a year later, he finally writes out this psalm. He finally cries out to God to the mercy um, of God. And so let's look at um, how he confesses the seriousness of his sin. And I have three points under here. So the first one is in verse 3. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And so he's saying, man, I cannot get the sin out of my mind. It is displayed on his conscience. Ever before him, the tape just keeps playing over and over and over again. He can't stop it. Like, the, the sin, it's just devouring him in his mind. Um, he can't get rid of it. Um, and he finally comes clean with it. And so I think a lot of us, I know for us, when we, when we fall into sin, when we've done something bad that we regret doing, sometimes it, the sin, sometimes it play, keeps playing in our mind. We can't, we can't get rid of it. And that's how David is feeling right now. You can tell the, the emotion that he has for it is, is that, man, he wished he, he never would have done it. He's guilty. He's guilty, and he knows it. Um, second one is, um, David says the exceeding sinfulness of a sin. What makes sin sin? Is it against God? 
Um, remember what Nathan said, one of the most underrated statements in the Bible, that David despised God and scorned his word. So David says in verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Uh, now before I move on with that, that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't mean that David didn't sin against Bathsheba, Uriah, anybody else, people, his friends, stuff like that. I believe he did, obviously. And our sin today has consequences, all right? But ultimately, we sin against a holy God, and that's what David sees here. So yes, he sinned against other people. Yes, that's bad. That's, that's really bad. It's horrible. Our sin has consequences on earth. But he's saying, man, what makes sin to be sin is that it's against God. I've broken God's law. I've broken his commandments. I've sinned against a holy God. That's what he's saying here. And he recognizes that. He knows that. All right? Um, the horror of our sin is, again, it's an attack on God. Um, and I think it's important that we see it this way. I think it's, this is good stuff. This is good that David is laying it out right here. Because if he just saw it just against humans, if he just saw it that, man, it was a really bad sin against Bathsheba and stuff like that, but not necessarily on God, then that changes his whole perspective on repentance and who he's um, asking forgiveness from. And so the last one I have for you guys on the seriousness of his sin is that David vindicates God, not himself. We'll continue in verse 4, which says, that, So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. And so David is saying here, there's no justification, no defense, no escape, no excuses. If God were to cast me in hell, if he were to punish me right now, that would be just of him. That's how serious his sin is. That's how serious our sin is. Not just his. It doesn't matter what kind of sin you commit. But David is saying, man, if... You are blameless, God. I have no excuse. You're blameless. Blameless in your judgment. No excuses for me. God, you're innocent. I'm the guilty one. So do we see here the seriousness of his sin? Do you see how serious our sin is? Um, and this is this is radical, God-centered repentance. And you could... You could tell just from the Psalms, David speaking, the remorse, um, how guilty he is, and how much he wants to forgive a God, how much he wants to be forgiven by a God he deeply loved. All right? Um, and again, this is, when David first committed the sin, he wasn't thinking this way. He was trying to hide his sin under the rug. He was trying to get away with his sin. But now, all of a sudden, man, this is, there's this, there's this, um, emotion that he has that he wants to be forgiven from this sin because it's torn him apart spiritually. Um, just in the last point I had for you guys is that um, he pleads for renewal. Um, David, he pleads for more than just forgiveness. Um, he pleads for renewal. David wants to be changed by God. Check out these first, the next two verses. Uh, 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit with, with, uh, within me. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me, uphold me with a willing spirit. Um, so it's one thing to, to ask for forgiveness. It's one thing to cry out to the mercy of God. It's another thing, though, to love your sin and continue to stay in it. And David refuses to stay in that position. He refuses to, to stay in that position of, of wanting that sexual sin, of wanting to cover his sin. A truly repentant person, all right, will want to be changed by God. After they recognize their sin, after they recognize that they're guilty, a truly repentant person will ask for renewal, 
will ask that. I want to be changed by God. I don't want to be stuck in this sin anymore. All right? I think, I think a lot of us, we get all the way up to, the, to forgiveness, you know, crying out to the mercy of God. We know that we're guilty. But when it comes to wanting to be changed by God, I think a lot of us here, and I've been guilty of this before, is that, man, we don't, truly deep inside, we don't want to be changed by the mercy of God because we love our sin and we want to hang on to that. We want to hang on to that. David is crying out here, man, restore to me the, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Rejoice to me the joy of your salvation. Because throughout all of this, David David isn't having any joy at all. He's asking God, man, restore to me the way it used to be, God. Our relationship, I feel like it's broken. I need that joy to be restored. And David is asking for renewal. And again, man, I, you know, I think in general in my life when, I've, when I fell into a, a sin that I regret doing and, and I feel so guilty of, man, there's been times in the past where I've wanted just to hold on to that sin and I didn't want to change. But I got all the other things right. I wanted to cry out to the mercy of God. I was guilty. You know, I was asking for forgiveness. But when it, when it came to changing, when it came to giving up that sin, Man, I, I didn't want that. And I know it's, it's hard for a lot of us here. Well, it's hard for a lot of us here. Um, David teaches us that God restores joy through the removal of our guilt feelings. Um, and like I said in the beginning, uh, I want to point out real quick that nowhere in this psalm does David directly pray about his sexual sin. I think that's interesting to note here because, again, remember what we talked about in the beginning. It started with sexual sin. It started with, you know, and then after that, it's just a change of sins. Um, he isn't crying out for sexual restraint. He isn't praying for protected eyes and sex-free thoughts. Um, so I, I believe the reason for this is because David believes that sexual sin um, is a symptom and not the disease. You guys following me? And so people fall into sexual sin because they do not have the fullness of joy in Jesus, in God, right? Um, we are so easily enticed, and we give away because God does not have the place in our feelings and thoughts like he should. And so David knows this. Like he, he knows, man, like, okay, I can pray. You know, I'm not going to cry out that God, you know, give me protected eyes, you know, sex-free thoughts. Like I know what the problem is. And sexual sin is not the direct problem. It's looking to Jesus. It's looking to Christ. It's looking to God and to have that fullness and gladness in him. And David knows that. Um. Again, I'll read this again. We are so easily enticed and we give away because God does not have the place in our feelings and thoughts like he should. I want to stop there because does that sound familiar? So whether we're talking about David's sin, sexual sin, the biggest sin you could ever commit on earth, or the smallest one, that should sound familiar because that describes every act of sin that we do. God does not have the place in our feelings and our thoughts like he should. By the way he prays, David is showing us what the real need is for those who sin sexually. And it's a need to to be more, um, to enjoy God more in in our relationship with him. To know who he is, to trust that what he has for us is for um, our good. Um, So next slide, please. Under all this, David has... Discover that God has crushed them. Verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness of the bones that you have broken rejoice. Um, and that it 
and then that a broken and contrite heart is the mark of all God's children. Verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. despise. Um, I mentioned earlier today how there's some things that God always says yes to. And I believe as believers, um, if we do cry out to the God of the Bible um, with a broken and remorseful heart, repentant heart, and God will answer us. He will. He will um, answer our prayer. He will change us if that's the motive in our heart. If we don't do that, I believe that we're stuck in our sin, we're in love with our sin, and we're not going to change. I think David shows that here. And he, was, he was, and he was in this sin. He was hiding this sin for about a year after all that happened. And yet, if you read throughout, if you read through the whole psalm, because we didn't read through it to, um, this morning, you could feel, you could feel the emotion, just how I would say, you, you could feel the emotion just getting filled with joy as he's, as he's going down along with the psalm. Right, as I'm reading this psalm and I'm getting to the end of it, I could see David just screaming out for joy. I could see him saying these words, let me hear joy and gladness, the bones that you have broken rejoice. Like I, I could hear God restoring his salvation. I could, I could see God restoring the joy in his salvation in this psalm at the very end of it. All right. Being a Christian means broken and contrite of your sin. Being a Christian, um, one of the ways what defines us as Christians is how we respond to our sin. And how, how do some of us respond to our sin when we sin, when we fall, when we give into temptation? Because we all do. We all do. Um, some of us just like to slide it under the rug. Some of us will hide it. And honestly, some of us here, man, it, it's just another, it's just a daily thing that we do. We say in our mind that God forgives us, and we kind of, we treat it as cheap grace. But man, at the end of the day, we really don't feel remorse for our sin. We don't feel repentant of our sin because it's something that we do so much. It's a habit to us. And at the end of the day, we enjoy it. And because you enjoy it, that's the worst thing. That's the worst thing that you could ever do to your sin. Um, David here lays out to us, what biblical repentance is, he lays out to us that, um, you know, what it means to cry out to God, to cry out to the mercy of God, to ask for um, cleansing, um, to know the seriousness of his sin. David shows us that here. So maybe you're thinking, man, LB, like, I mean, I didn't sleep with someone's wife, have their husband killed, and do all that. Yeah, I hope so. I hope you didn't do that. Maybe you're right. But at the same time, We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done that before. So you could call it what you want, big sin, little sin, or whatever. You sin against a holy God. God is blameless right now to cast you to hell. But because he's rich in mercy and love, because of the gospel, man, because of the gospel, that's why it hasn't happened. And because you're still living right now, you have this hope. And because you are... Because God has sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us, man, we could, we could be aware of our sin. We could let Jesus Christ pay for it, or we could pay for it in hell. And, and David shows us here. He says, man, God, I know my sin. I know it well, God, but I know you. And I want you to deal with my sin. I want you to deal with my sin, God. Because I don't want to have to deal with it once I die. Deal with my sin here, God. And David, David is telling us that. David is showing us that. Um, so here we are at the end. Um, David is broken about his sin. 
Psalm 51 is the cry to David's heart to God. He deeply loved and whom he deeply grieved by what he did. Um, if it's, it's in the moments of my life where I've been grieved by my sin that when I directly cried out to God and I felt that forgiveness and I felt that joy being restored to me, it's what happened afterwards. My relationship with God just felt so much more real. I felt the love of a father. I felt his forgiveness. No longer was I crushed with guilt, but I was crushed with guilt well by the father. Um, And I want to end with this quote um, by Jonathan Edwards in his book, Religious Affections. The next slide. I think Jonathan Edwards just lays it out perfectly of what that means to be crushed with our guilt well. And and what happens um, after we repent of it. So all gracious affections, feelings, emotions that are sweet aroma to Christ, our brokenhearted affections, a truly Christian love, either to God or man, is a humble, brokenhearted love. The desires of the saints, however, earnest are humble desires. Their hope is a humble hope, and their joy, even when it is unspeakable and full of glory, is a humble, brokenhearted joy. That's my, that's my prayer for you guys. Maybe somebody here is dealing with unrepentant sin. Um, and I pray that you'll cry out to the mercy of God, that you know the character of God. Because understanding the character of God, you should have no reason why to cry out and to throw yourself on who God is. Um, some of us here just love our sin. And you don't ever see yourself becoming a Christian. You don't see any of that. Let me tell you something. Again, David slept with somebody, tried to kill her husband. And, I mean, this guy was probably did most worst things than anybody in here. I'm sure he did. And then the Lord saved him. God used him. So don't, under, don't ever underestimate the, glory, the grace of God in your life. Some of us here who are Christians, who are believers, Maybe like Dave was talking about last week, you may be in that dry season of your life where you're just not feeling remorseful over your sin. You're not feeling repentant over your sin. Um, man, I pray that you'll highlight Psalm 51, the whole thing, or just the title. I don't know. Depends what kind of highlighter you have. But I pray that you'll, you'll highlight, you'll, you'll remember Psalm 51 because it's always something you can go back to and look and remember what David did, but remember how remorseful he was toward his sin. And I pray you read the psalm over and over and over again as you see the emotion and the hatred that David had for his sin. That's my prayer for you guys, man. I hope that you guys um, truly come to understanding of of how big and how wide God's grace is in our life. Because that only comes from understanding how how much you sin against a holy God. Um, I've seven, six questions for you guys. I'll close this out in prayer, um, and we'll go from there. So, Heavenly Father, we, um, man, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the gospel. Thank you for, for Jesus, Father. Um, because, of, because of Jesus, we, we have this hope that um, our sin can be done away with. Our sin can be taken away from us, Lord. Like, no longer is the wrath of God put on us. No longer um, are we destined to hell because of the gospel, because of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that, Lord. I pray as as we live in Texas and in America, Father God, we will never 
undermine the gospel. We never undermine its power. I pray every time we hear the gospel, we'll continue to get rocked by it and want to tell others of it. The gospel is a beautiful thing, Lord, and I believe Psalm 51 lays out um, the gospel and the access that we have to a holy God. Father, I pray that just, we just have, um, that we're just a heart after, we have a heart after God like David did, Lord. After he fell into sin, and that those sins continued one after another, David was eventually convicted by the grace of God by his sin. I think there are a lot of us in here, Lord, who are in that same position. I pray, Father God, you'll convict them of their sin. I pray they can cry out to the, the holiness of God, to the mercy of God. I pray that we can see the seriousness of our sin for what it really is, that it's ultimately an attack on God. And Father God, most importantly, I pray that we cry out for renewal. pray that we just cry out to want to be changed by you. And um, Father, let that brokenhearted joy, Lord, um, produce just a, a joyful repentance that we just um, come to know you and we just come to share others about you and who you are, Lord. And so um, we thank you, Father God, and we love you. Um, I just pray as, as we go into these questions, Father God, I pray that they'll give more clarity to Psalm 51, have us think for ourselves, and just give us something to think about for the rest of the day, rest of our lives, Lord. And so we thank you, Father, we love you. And for all these things in your beautiful, precious name, amen. Thanks, guys.